Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoop Swirl on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night. It is December 16th, 2015. It's be, hey, this is probably going to be our last show of the year. Anyway, we're looking forward to a big night tonight. Going to have Bob Case on, and we're going to talk to Bob about a lot of different things, uh, including uh, you know, what's happening over at SC. He's a, he's a big-time, long-time SC supporter, and see what he thinks about the new coaches hire and all that kind of good stuff. And following Bob, we're going to have Anthony Davis, and uh, AED's got plenty of things to talk about as well. So we're going to get things jumping off. going to take a quick break and come back and get Bob on the line and uh, get things started. You are listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, brought to you by HealthyNewDay.com. And this is our first break. And uh, let's see, we're going to listen to something really, really quick and short here. Oh, you know what we're going to listen to? A little Channel 3. And uh, we got to find it real quick here. We haven't listened to this one in a long time. This used to be a good fa- favorite from uh, Peter. And uh, it's Blue Christmas. Back up to this.
about you Oh, blue, so blue Just thinking about you Decorations in red On a Christmas tree Listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. And we'd like to welcome back to the show our good friend and a good favorite of the show is Bob Case. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, Keith. I was just watching uh, uh, our um, Donald. Donald uh, Trump. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, what a what a character! I mean, he is really an entertainer. You know, I don't know what that has to do with sports, but the guy is really a character. Whether he'll make a good president or not, I don't know. But boy, he's entertaining. Enter- entertaining, yeah, that that is true. Yeah. He's very entertaining, man. <laughs> yeah. So how you been, Keith? Doing great, man. Doing great, and yeah. uh, as I, as I like I say, it's always a, it's always a great time to have you on the show, and, and we always enjoy having you on and. And let me just tell our listeners. Oh, I love being on. I appreciate that. Let's tell our listeners a little bit, Bob. Bob, uh, he uh, currently and uh, still, I believe, is the vice president of the International Boxing Association, and uh, he's done so many things in his life. He worked for the Angels organization, worked for Casey Stingle, uh, Mickey Rooney, a host of others, and always just a joy to talk to, as well as being one of the top SC you know supporters of all time. And so, Bob, you know. Thanks for coming back on, and, and before we get really rolling into everything, there's so many things I'd like to talk to you about, and I and I started off by saying I believe you're still the vice president of IBA. Uh, you know, you and your good friend Dean Chance uh, were running IBA, owned the IBA, and Dean passed away earlier this year. Tell me a little bit about uh, what's been going on. Well, Keith, we've had a couple of fights in Europe, and we had a fight in Russia, and uh for world titles, and right now there's some uh, Europeans negotiating to buy the IBA, IBA and Dean's, Dean Chance's son, Brett, who lives in Ohio and is a listener of your show, is um, negotiating the sale of the IBA right now. So um, as, as we said, it's probably going to be after the first of the year, and everybody's asking me, am I going to stay on? And, it, you know, I kind of was loved being with the IBA because I'd known Dean Chance since I was 17 years old, and, you know, we were just dear friends, and it was kind of fun to work with your friend, you know what right. I mean? So uh, if it's a bunch of people I don't know, um, you know, I'm financially set and everything, so I don't need to really worry about, you know, if I want to do it, you know. So if if I if it's somebody that I know and like, I might work there, and if it's not, I'll just, uh, I've got a lot of other things I'm involved in. So luckily I'm very busy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, t- we talked about it before, you know, it's, and you just mentioned it, it's, it's one thing to, uh, to work with a, with a dear friend and, and, and I, I know you miss him dearly. Um, it, it just might not be the yeah. same without him, you know? Well, you know, Keith, it's, it's like, you know, I, I, I still am having a hard time with the Dean passed away. Uh, you know, I, as I think I told you before, August 22nd, I saw him and, and, you know, I, I had a dear friend. You, you know what's good about when somebody dies is the people that were close to them I talk to now. You know, like Dean's close friends I talk to daily. And and that's almost like I'm connected to him, if that makes sense. Like Bruce Trample, the matchmaker at Top Rank, he's a Hall of Fame matchmaker for Bob Aaron. He called me up and he goes, he says, Mr. Bruce, this is Dean calling him, Mr. Bruce, this is Dean Chance. Will you tell that fucking case to you tell him to quit mourning about me for Christ's sake. Tell him to get back on top of things. That's, it. That's the message I get on my phone, you know. And you know, and then, you know, he had a lot of, like this dear this woman friend of his, Kristen Jamin from Chicago, a friend of Dean's for years. Yeah. And you know, she, I talked to her, and you know, and, and it's and all these other friends, you know, like the Sue Fox, our ratings chairman for the IBA. Every time I talk to her, it's like bringing Dean back. So you know, I'm just grateful that you know I have. You know, people that really knew him and loved him like I did that I can talk to all the time. You know? Right, right. Because when somebody dies, you know, you may not be able to hug them or, you know, but I have pictures of Dean in my office that I see every day. You know, I have, you know, I, I just, I think about him all the time. You know, there's always, not a day goes by where he, he's not saying some funny Deanism, as I used to call him, you know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, you, you know, when if you really love somebody, they're with you as long as you're breathing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Even though you may not be able to hug him or, you know, shake their hand or whatever, you know, I believe in that, you know, and I, I pray for Dean every day and I pray for his mom. And I, I, I picture him up there with Bo Belinsky and his mom making pancakes for the two of them, you know, and, uh, and it's just, you know, that, that's how I kind of visualize it. It yeah. makes me feel better. Good, 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 good. Man, it's, I know that those those times, like you said, those times are rough. But uh, you know, a good support system, and, and like you said, reconnecting with people that were, that were close to him. So it kind of keeps them close to you. And, and Absolutely. All, and all memories. That's one thing to put, I always say. You know, people could take away everything from you, but they can't take away your memories, man. Absolutely. That's exactly the, the the whole deal. You got it right there, in a nutshell. Last time we spoke. Uh, it was getting close to the time of the, the new book on Casey Stengel. Uh, any 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 new developments on that? Yeah, there. Uh, it's going to press uh, the beginning of February, so it's supposed to be out uh, this, for spring training this year. I'm sure it'll be out probably in March or you know, for spring training. That's when they like to have baseball books break is in in uh, you know right right around spring training time. Yeah. So you know it'll be uh, like I think I told you. It's I think it's 47 chapters and 447 pages or something. Yeah. So. It's going to be a big book, but it'll. Uh, this guy is this this guy's done an unbelievable job researching. I'm looking forward to to uh, reading it as I told him because I'll learn things about Casey that I didn't know. You know, yeah. that's how good a research he did, especially in his early years. You know, when he was a little kid and everything. It sounds like uh, you know you mentioned before this this guy he took his time. He did a lot of research. He he he, he looked in places and, and went places that no one has gone before. And it looks like it's going to be a very thorough book. I mean, he's. I mean, he's worked, he's on the Hall of Fame Cooperstown Advisors, and he's, you know, he's written 18 books on, you know, Joe DiMaggio and Thurman Munson and Larry King, the, the announcer, and, you know, he's, he's a very accomplished writer, and, you know, uh, very, uh, he worked for the New York Yankees for many, many years, so wow. he's, you know, he knows baseball inside and out, he's yeah. fun to talk to, too, you know. Nice. 
Um, before, uh, God, you know, you, 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 I know you're tied in the baseball. I know you follow baseball and, and transitions and stuff like that. And, well, you know, your thoughts on, uh, on um, the Dodgers losing Granke to, to Arizona and, uh, and, and, and the, new, uh, the new manager. Well, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of the SC management. You know, they, they, the Dodger management, you know, they're, they're giving all these kudos to this Friedberg or whatever his name is and this, you know, these, these presidents and all this stuff, you know, Stan Castle. To me, it's like, a, you know, they got rid of D. Gordon, who's like a 27-year-old second baseman, and, and they, they trade him. And what did he do last year? He led the National League in hitting won the Gold Glove Award and was second in stolen bases. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't call that a good move. You understand what I'm saying? And then you've got Zach Lenneke, who's arguably the best pitcher in all of baseball, and you let him go because you say he's 32 years old and we don't want to give him a six-year contract. So you let him go to the Arizona Diamondbacks, who'll give him $230 million, and the Dodgers can afford to give $230 million more than the Arizona Diamondbacks. And what do they do? They, they sign a 36-year-old Japanese pitcher, uh, who's 36 for uh, give him a multi-million dollar contract? You know, so I mean that doesn't seem like real smart. And then what do they do? They let Cueto, who was a great pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds and the Kansas City Royals, go to the San Francisco Giants. And now I understand today they got that Samarja guy from the Chicago Cubs. So what I see the Dodgers doing this offseason is going from first place, second place, third place, and now they're in fourth place. Wow. If you look at the teams on paper, I mean they're going to see Greneke every time they play the Diamondbacks. And they're going to see Cueto every time they play the San Francisco Giants, which is more than anybody. So, you know, you look what's going on, it kind of reminds me of the, the USC stuff. You know, it's like <laughs> unbelievable. You know, they, they, they have Vince Scully where we can't hear him on the radio or, or see him, 90% of the public. I mean, what kind of a, you know, that's somebody that really cares about their fans? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, people have grown up listening to Vince Scully, and, and they take, you take that away from some guy that's 95 years old in a rest home that wants to hear Vince Scully, and he can't listen to him. Because they have it on a certain network, yeah. I wouldn't call that good uh, PR for the for the you know baseball is supposed to be America's sport for the fans, and baseball to me is grandfathers talking to their grandsons, it's fathers talking to their sons, it's you know it's it's telling it's grandfathers telling them about watching Babe Ruth, it's fathers telling them to watch watching Ted Williams, and it's some thirty year old telling them to watch watching Daryl Strawberry to his eight year old. Yeah. So you know that's it's part of the American public, you know. It's part of Americana. And what they've done, in my opinion, is they've taken it away from America, you know, from the American public. And Vince Scully is like, uh, to me, the greatest announcer of any sport that ever lived. Forget anybody. He's the Babe Ruth of announcers. Yeah. So, and to take him away, you know, he's a cultural icon and a gift to America. And to take him away from people, are you kidding me? Uh, doesn't make sense to me. It's, uh, it's, it's you know funny you mentioned that I, I was, we were talking uh, earlier this year and, and I and I, I realized and I said I don't know the Dodgers without Vince Scully I mean he's been there longer than I've been alive you know and uh, that's all I remember I mean you know I remember the other guys that used, used to come in and, 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 and listen to them and, and come in between innings and, and sit there with with them but uh, Dodgers hey, and Vince Scully go hand in hand. You, you know what I always say? People say, who's the most famous Dodgers? Is it Jackie Robinson, Duke Snyder, Don Drysdale? Saying, no, it's Vince Scully. Yeah. In other words, I was – now, think about this. In 1958, I was like 13, 12 and a half or 13 years old running through my neighborhood when the first year the Dodgers moved out here in La Canada, California. I remember on a hot summer evening, you would hear Scully's voice like at 9 o'clock at night. You could hear the transistors and the voice going through the whole neighborhood. 
You know, it was like, you know, old ladies that never knew what a baseball was were listening to Vince Scully, you know, on their portable radios. You know, it, it was like he, he taught women what baseball was that never had been exposed to baseball. And if you think about it, he was, he was announcing Brooklyn Dodger baseball since 1951. Wow. Now that is just unbelievable. And he's still just as sharp and, and he's, and he's a classy dignified guy. I've never heard a negative word about Vince Scully from anybody in any walk of life. People that knew him, been around him. He's, he's nothing but class. He exemplifies the word class to me. You know that that you mentioned the Granke trade, and uh, you know I know you worked for a certain organization. Kind of reminds me of that Nolan Ryan uh, thing there years back. <laughs> yeah, no, no you, you know, you know, Jim Fergosi used to always laugh. God bless his soul. He died about a year ago. Great guy, good friend of mine. He used to say, you know, I was in seven All Star games, and he says the only time you ever hear my name mentioned is that they traded me for Nolan Ryan. <laughs> You know, I mean, he, he said people forget I was in seven All Star games. Say, the, the, the Nolan Ryan trade, that the Angels traded Jim Fergozzi, which is really kind of funny. That is. Well, you are, uh, you know, of all the people I know, uh, one of the one of the most diehard uh, Trojan fans of, of all time, and you know, we talk a lot about the team and, and the players and the organization. Uh, let's just start with uh, let's just start with the team in the games. Uh, you know they came into the uh, they came into the Pac-12 championship game. They faced Stanford, and uh, boy, they were just outplayed, man, outclassed. Well, Keith, I don't think I've talked to you since the UCLA game, but that I would I just love them beating UCLA. You know, and yeah. uh, I was there with, with some friends, and it was just a great. In other words, I, I used to always say, you know, Notre Dame's a big rivalry, but me living in Southern California, I, you know, you, you there's nothing bigger than SC UCLA. You know, so in other words, you know, if SC was 0 and 11 and beat UCLA and ended up 1 and 12, I'm happy. But on the other hand, if they're 11 and 0 and lose to UCLA the last game of the season, I'm unhappy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because oh. I got to wait another year and hear all this crap from my UCLA friends that are fans. You know, well, so of course. You know, that, 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 to, like to me, my... beating them was fantastic. You know? but, You're absolutely you know, right. But they, you know, everybody I talked to said they went right back to Sarkisian's offense in the uh, Stanford game. If you remember in the UCLA game, they ran the ball, ran the ball, and jammed it down their throats with Ronald Jones and. Je- you know, uh, Justin uh, uh, Davis, they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And when they went back to the Stanford game, they were passing again, if you notice that. So it was almost like right back to Sarkisian. And, uh, and and what happened? They got their ass handed to him. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, you know, I, I was hearing statements that, you know, like that Stanford guy was open. And I, I know somebody down there that said that the, the, the Wilcox, the defensive coordinator, when, when the, the kid was open on third and seven for a touchdown pass, oh, there was nobody around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, apparently, Helton asked the defensive coordinator, uh, Wilcox. He said, uh, "Whose man was on him?" And the, and the defensive coordinator says, "says I don't know." You know, I mean, uh, you know, that's unbelievable. You know, so it's you know, luckily he got rid of all those people, and hopefully, he'll get some new people there. And uh, you know, I I know that some new people would never even think of coming back there because they don't like the, the heads that are there. You know what I mean? In other words, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it'd be great to get Ed Ogeron back or Kennedy Palamu," but. You know, I, I don't think they would come back there as long as uh, the, the athletic director's there. You know what I mean? So uh, he's the guy that fired them. You know? So the point being, um, I think it limits them with him being there with a lot of good coaches wanting to come there. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've heard I've heard rumors that uh, 
that Helton wants Olderon to come back and be his uh, assistant head coach and, and defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, I can't – I love Coach O. Uh, I think he's done a great job even after he left SC. And, and I, I just can't see him coming back uh, under Hayden. Uh, and I don't see well, I mean, a lot Kennedy, of people coming Kennedy, back under Hayden. Kennedy Palamudo was loved by everybody. I mean, you know, that's Troy Palamudo's uncle. Yeah. And Troy loves him. And even, you know – they, they, the players loved them. Lendell White, Reggie Bush, the Sol Tomacoe. I can go through all the running backs. They loved Kennedy Palomo. He was loved by every. He's a former Trojan. He played four years there. Yeah. He was on those '80s teams that played in Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Great player. Guys loved him. He's he's a blue collar guy. And you know Kennedy Palomo. He, I'm sure he gets it. You know the guy didn't like, uh, you know, people from the Southern Pacific, and he didn't like Cajuns. And they fired. Uh, they fired, uh, you know, Ogeron, and they fired him. You know, so it's obvious what's going. They're blue collar, and they're not yes men. Yeah. And they like how they they surround themselves with a bunch of yes men around there, and uh, uh, you know, and they don't want people that aren't yes men. And unfortunately, uh, if you saw, you know, you see good coaches, none of them are yes men. If you if you really look at the great coaches in football, no, because you know it takes a certain type of personality to be a, be a coach, and and, and uh, absolutely that personality. Well, I just hope not... can surround himself with good. I mean. His whole thing is that he gets good assistance there, you know, and then and the question is, you know, are they going to want, I mean, here's the thing. When you hire a new coach, it's harder to get good assistant coaches because a good assistant coach that's been around for a while doesn't want to work for a guy that's in his first year of coaching. So that limits the guys you're getting. And, you know, but hopefully, I mean, Helton is liked by everybody. I've never heard of one person that dislikes this guy. Yeah. The players love him. The fans like him. Everybody likes the guy. He's a class act. And I just hope he gets the right people around him, you know, because it's so, you know, you know, I talk to some football guys that are very well known and they agree with me. College football, there's no sport that it's more important to have good assistance than college football, including the NFL, including Major League Baseball, including college football your position coaches are your head coach. In other words, your running back coach, he's the one that's talking to the players all the time. The defensive line coach is talking to the defensive. It's not, they don't have that much interaction with the head coach. So what it is, it's, it's delegation. It's delegation. It's what Ronald Reagan did. He delegated authority. You know, he was a good delegator and you delegate authority and, and you do the right stuff. And, you know, that's what happens, you know, but I mean, this thing is a disaster and, you know, down there and, you know, it's you wonder if this guy's ever going to retire. I, I, they'll never force him out. I mean, I've been told from people that John Sample, the former president of the uh, of USC, was uh, you know, Nikias. Uh, he's the one that jockeyed for Hayden to get the job mm. as he worked under uh, Hayden. Right. You know, and I mean, excuse me, Hayden jockeyed for Nikias to get the job. Because Hayden was a, a you know director of the board of the trustee, and he got Nikias the job. So Nikias feels a lifetime debt to Hayden. Now, would he fire him? I doubt he would ever fire him. He would let him leave on his terms, you know. And that's the story that I hear from people on the inside. So you know, it is what it is, and it's it's created a, a you know just a calamity of errors around that place. You know, now they're saying there's a big article. Uh, Ricky Ellison. Uh, emailed some friends of mine, you know, they're showing articles, like a seven-page paragraph about Hayden's background, and he was with, I didn't even know, he was with this IMAC bank that went belly up in 2008, you know, a board of directors there, you know, so, I mean, you know, I start to look at his background, and I go, holy, I didn't know these things, you know, and right. it's, uh, Ricky Ellison's done an amazing job of doing some background checks on some of this stuff, you know, and I, I told my friend uh, today, I said, you know, this guy, uh, 
you know, I mean, look what's happened at SC. I mean, unbelievable. You know, just a calamity of errors. Now Sarkisian's suing the university, and he doesn't want the university. They don't, they'll not, that's never going to go to court because it might come out about some other people drinking around there. And uh, I think that's why it'll never go to court. That'll be settled out of court. And uh, that's my opinion. Yeah. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff around there that's all going to come out. And, you know, what I said about this athletic director, I said, you know, so I said, told somebody the other day, I said, somebody told me his grandfather was the captain of the Titanic and his great great grandfather was named George Custer. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I mean, uh, you know, Hayden is, a, is an attorney. All right, and uh, yeah, and, and, and wouldn't you think you'd know how to fire a coach that's an alcoholic the right way? Well, yeah, that's my question because uh, you know I've known uh, of business and companies uh, for twenty five, thirty years going, where if somebody had a drinking problem, they had to had to offer them help, uh, right, and and then they had to uh, you know complete their complete whatever program they came into, and a lot of them in their job had to be waiting for them. They had to sign a contract so they wouldn't do it again. This kind of stuff. But you couldn't just fire them because alcoholism is, is, is a disease. And, you, and you know, there's, there's, I don't know if it's the, uh, which act it is, but there's, you know, there's something on the books that basically says you, you just can't fire a person in those situations. At least I know you can't uh, for public employees, and I'm assuming a private university falls under the same uh, state laws as everybody else. So you think he would have known this. Uh, the only thing I only response I saw from the school and I could see where they're trying to set up their defense was they were saying that uh, uh, Sarkeesian said he didn't have a problem. So, uh, of course, now yeah, he says, not, you know, they all do. I mean, there's a lot of other people around there that, that think they don't have a problem also. You know, I mean, it's it's you know, this guy went up and confronted Brian Kennedy, the basketball game in front of all of his friends and fellow donors and said, uh, why are you trying to take down the program? He said, and, and, and he said, I'm not. He said, Kiffin was drunk at, in El Paso. Well, he denied that. He said, I was with him. He wasn't. Well, I talked to two of the coaches that were on the staff that said he was. So, yeah. you know, in other words, the cover, cover up, cover up, cover up, cover up. You know, you know this guy is, uh, you know, it's just been, and then, I mean, you heard the press conference, didn't you, when they announced Helton the coach? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I was going to ask you about that. You know, I, I, I heard parts of the press conference, but I've also heard that, you know, he, he likes to take shots at his, uh, I guess, McKay's his best friend, and uh, we know that they played together for a number of years, and they, and they still hang out together, and I guess they work together. But I heard he, uh, he said some disparaging things about about uh, about J.K. Yeah, well, he, he, t- he says these tongue-in-cheek things. Like, he says things like, well, J.K. is the only guy in the history of football that only caught – passes by teams coached by his father which number one that is not true his father didn't coach bishop on where hayden went he didn't coach the southern california sun where tom pierce coached in other words and ad played there and uh hayden and daryl lamonica and some other good players uh the, the bottom line is that i don't think those things are funny because if there's anybody in the world that benefited from knowing john mckay it wasn't jk mckay it was pat Aiden. So, in other words, if there's anybody in the world that's where they are today because of John McKay, it's Pat Hayden. It's not his son. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think those are. I don't think those comments are funny, and uh, I don't think most. I think most people are sick and tired of hearing him ripping McKay because the truth is, McKay was a skinny little white kid who was a great wide receiver for a kid like that. I mean, he had great hands, wonderful hands, and I thought he made Hayden a better quarterback with his receiving. So, you know, the you know, that's the truth of the matter, you know. So, you know, uh, was he fast? No, he was white. 
you know, but uh, the bottom line is, he, you know, there's a lot of guys. Jack Stoll used to play for the Rams. They used to say he was a white guy, white wide receiver. They never caught him from behind because when he, it, does, it doesn't matter your 40 time. Some guys, sometimes when guys put the pads on, they move faster. Right. And, and J.K. was like that. He was always, you know, had his, he was very good at beating guys up, you know. Was was he fast? No, but he played in the NFL a couple of years, and you know you can tell he played for his father. No, I thought J.K. was a, an excellent player. You know, I really did. Yeah. Very underrated in my opinion. And I saw that. I, I saw all those guys. You know, Lynn Swan was his teammate, and Charles Young was his teammate, and you know uh, Charles Phillips was his teammate, and all these different all you know great athletes, all American players. You know, uh, Sam Cunningham, great players in the, in those years. You know, Pete Adams, an all-American defensive lineman. You know, first-round pick for the Cleveland Browns. But I mean, there were some great players and. And uh, I thought J.K. was was one of them, so I don't really think he deserves to be made fun of. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Let me ask you. You know, uh, USC, if if my memory serves me correctly, has had more uh, NFL players drafted than any other university. Um, with with all the the, the st- things that have gone on over the last few years, and uh, you know all the different coaches changes and stuff, and, and we still got there's some super talented players out there. Um, recruitment. Uh, do you think they're going to be able to continue to, to uh, have players drafted at the rate that they normally do? Uh, are we going to see a little dip in the action? Uh, is, you know, especially if Hayden hangs around. And there, you know, it's a question of whether he's going to hang around. I mean, he, he missed. He didn't attend the last eight games. He didn't attend the, the championship game. No, he's, he's never seen a full game that Helton's coached. Right. He went to a basketball game the other night. He showed up at a basketball game, but he's never been to one football game that Helton coached. So, you know, but, you know, you know to answer your question, Keith, SC will always have great draft picks and great. I mean, Sue Craven's just announced today that he's going out into the NFL. You know, he'll probably be a first round pick. Now, I had an NFL scout talk to me the other day, and he asked me about certain players. And he asked me about number 90 on their team, a defensive lineman named Claude Pellon, P E L O N, who was a junior college transfer. And you know what this guy said to me? Hmm. He asked me what I thought of him. I said, he showed flashes of brilliance. And I said to him, imagine what he'll do when he is coached. And the scout looked at me and he said, Bob, you are right on. Imagine what this kid will do. He, he was a, he played junior college football for two years and he's been at SC for the last two years. Wow. And, you know, he's a tough guy. He's tough, man. He's, he's, he's field as, as sweet tooth says. He's yeah. a field guy. And, but you know, I think if you get him with the right defensive line coach, or if you've had coach O for the last two years, you'd have a, possible first second round draft pick and i think he'll be he's one of those guys who will be a sleeper in the nfl draft i believe even if they get him as a free agent that claude Pelon can play and there's other i mean those stuff you know you know what somebody asked me the other day they said how many guys on usc's team in 2015 were better than they were in 2014 and that's a great question right and i said wow and i thought about it and i thought well justin davis has had a better running and and you can make an argument for juju smith schuster and uh and you know, but everybody else went backwards, in my opinion. You know, everybody else I can think of. You know, uh, maybe an offensive lineman named Zach Banner had a little better year than he's ever had. He made all Pac-12 this year. But uh, all the other guys went back, and that is coaching, Keith. That is coaching, coaching, coaching. Yeah. It's, it's, it's position coaches telling their players, showing them tricks, showing them moves, showing them those defensive linemen learn nothing in the last two years. The safeties and cornerbacks learn nothing the last two years, you know. So I mean, they're playing. Adoree Jackson's playing on ability. 
you know, that Iman Marshall kid, you know, who's a freshman this year, you know, he got eaten up early. He's just playing on his natural ability. Wait till they get somebody that coaches them, like Clancy Pendergast or some of these other coaches they have that have been fired. Wait until they got somebody that really knew what they were doing and coached them up, and, and you'll see a whole different thing. I mean, I've had some defensive backs on that team, one in particular, tell me everything you learned about playing defensive back came from Clancy Pendergast. So, wow. And, you know, and it's, and it's true. You, you, it's, it's so important to have these guys – where they respect their coaches, where they, they, they respected Kennedy Palomu, they respected Coach O, they respected all the and, – and what happened, they respected Clancy Pendergrass, and they're fired. They're fired. Right. So, you know, uh, and, you know, and so Kizzy, you know, I, I wish him well in his recovery. I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so you don't think I'm praying for, for a coach. And, and, you know, I hope he can come. I mean, he's a great guy. I've never heard anybody say he's not a good guy. Right. He's, so Kizzy's a good guy. He's just an alcoholic, you know, and, he, and let's hope he gets help. And, 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 and can continue his life and his career, you know, because I think, uh, you know, he, he's a good guy. You know, it's not like he's a jerk, you know. You know, there's two things real quick, and, and, and I want to touch on both while we still have a few minutes. Uh, you talk about coaching, and, and uh, you know, two year, or last season, you had uh, the best receiver on Arizona State wide open at the end of the game, and, and Berkovici hits him for a touchdown. This year, uh, you know, you talk about the Stanford game. Yeah, he's game. Pollard playing back there, a, a linebacker that couldn't jump six inches playing back there. Guarding. And then you, have, then you have this year, uh, uh, the, one, the most memorable one, you have the uh, um, McCaffrey, uh, second, 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 high, second place in the Heisman, Wide open, nobody around him. Uh, you talk about coaching, and, and that—that's those aren't blown coverages. That's, that's poor coaching, right? I mean, how do you how, how does the guy who is a, a, a three hundred plus all-purpose yards uncovered? You're right, Keith. All the players were in the wrong positions this year, and here's the deal: the guy that was supposed to be covering. Uh, McCafferty was a kid named Olajuwon Tucker, who is a true freshman. Number one, he shouldn't have been out there in that position at that time in the game. You don't have a guy playing like that. You have somebody with a little more experience, which there was out, you know, on there. On there. I mean, what, there are certain guys that weren't even on the field that should have been on the field. That's coaching. It's coaching. And I don't blame Alaja on Tucker. He's, a, he's, he's still green. He'll probably be a great football player. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a lot of these guys will want to get a little experience under their belt. They're kids. You know, these guys walk around. They look like men. You look at them and you go, man, what a stud. You know, think they're, they're kids. They're 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Everybody judges them as men, but they're still kids. And, uh, you know, I just hope that uh, – I mean, I think they got a great nucleus at SC. I really do. And next year they'll have a full recruiting class, and I hope they got this Pittman kid from Oaks Christian, one of the best wide receivers in the country. And, you know, they're, they're getting some good recruits, you know. So, uh, you know, I just hope that uh, they can get some guys to coach him. That's all I hope. You know, and I think Kelton is going to be a good head coach providing he has the right assistance. And, and he did the right thing, I thought, you know, getting rid of some of these guys. I mean, the, the, I mean, there's guy, there's a guy named Chris Claiborne. I'm sure you know who he is. He, he won the Buckus Award, yeah. you know, uh, for SC. He's an All-American, played in the NFL 10 or 11 years. And he's coaching out of Calabasas High School defense. And Calabasas High School went undefeated this year. And they, they were known for losing 30 straight games. Wow. Now, that's a guy. Why wouldn't they talk to him and bring him in even as an assistant down there as a, an assistant for an assistant coach? There's so many guys that know defense and know that are all around, you know. So um, I just hope, like I say, why why does – I keep saying, why does Michigan get John uh, Jim Harbaugh? Why does uh, Ohio State get Urban Meyer? Why does Alabama get uh, – uh, what's his name? Uh, 
Saban. Nick Saban. You know, the great coach for Alabama. Why did they get him? And why does Washington get Peterson? Nick Saban is what I was thinking. Why does Washington get Peterson? And why does SC get, you know, Kiffin? Does that make sense? In other words, what's going on? SC is like one of the biggest name in college football. And we get these, you know, people. Uh, So, but I think Helton is a good hire. I really do. I I haven't heard of any SC supporter that didn't think that was a good move. So, and, and I don't think it was... Uh, the athletic director hired him. I think it was. I've heard rumors that it was the president that asked him to be hired. So. Yeah, let, you know, let me let, to, to wrap it up though. Let me ask you this one here, because uh, you know, I'm hearing from uh, from people that I know, and and I'm reading blogs and things like that, and everybody in in, in, in newspaper articles, and I'm hearing that uh, the, the the boosters don't want Hayden to stay. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the people on campus don't want Hayden to stay. Uh, I hear like like a lot of a uh, past star ball players don't want him to stay. And then I hear today that Ronnie Lott endorses him. So uh, is there is there uh, is there something that the people like me from from the outside aren't getting? Well, uh, of course. So you're going to get Ronnie Lott, Lynn Swan. Uh, you know, of course you're going to get those kind of people uh, to endorse him. You know, uh, Lynn Swan. You know, who is his type of guy? You know, uh, belongs to Augusta Country Club. And Hayden got him in there. And, you know, all these different kinds of things. You're going to get those kind of people to endorse them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just like there's a certain manager in this town that, that people, everybody thinks of Santa Claus. You know, there's no, <laughs> none of the media, nobody will ever tell the truth about him. Yeah. You know, there's some, there's some people that are always going to cover up for political reasons for, oh, he's my friend. You know, he's this or that. You know, but the, the facts are the truth is the truth. You know, you, you, if, if it's, you know, his, his record speaks for itself. You don't need to say anything else about whether you like him or don't like him. Look at his record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's a it's a calamity of errors, and we've documented all the errors. Uh, and Ricky Ellison did in his letter to everybody. You know, it's just a calamity of errors, one after the other. So you know, that's why you can take. I've always said, take that Oxford degree. Give me a guy that, that graduated from third grade that knows how to deal with people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and knows how to treat people. And and I think you'll see. You know, it's it's not that the, the, the athletic director job is. And I've known them all. I knew Jess Hill. I knew, you know, uh, you know, I knew m- most of the athletic directors. And you know, they're they're, it's it's not the same deal over there. So you know, and he, this guy's busy, man. He's got this thing, and he's the, the director of this place and the director of that place. So you know, obviously, it's on. He doesn't really have time for us. You know what I mean? So you know, uh, he's getting a half a million from here and money from there. But I don't think he wants to walk away from two and a half million a year. You know. No, he's the highest paid, highest paid actor, athletic director in all of college. In all, in Which is, to me, that is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. You know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, it's it, it amazes me. But, you know, it's like I said, one more time, Nikias Odin, because Nikias wouldn't be the president if Hayden hadn't got it in there to replace South. So and help and help push him in there. So Nakia feels an indebtment to Hayden, as I'm sure Ronnie Lott does, and Lynn Swan and these other, you know, there's certain types, you know. Yeah. But I, for for every Ronnie Lott, I can give you 20 other guys that would probably publicly say something the other way. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Right. But and I mean, all Americans and Heisman Trophy. I mean, all Americans and you know, NFL Hall of Famers. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well. We, you know, I, 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 like you said, you said it before. I mean, we, I love SC, uh, and I, I've always say my two favorite teams on Saturday is whoever SC's beaten and whoever's beaten UCLA. 
but I, I, I need, we need to see a change at the top. You know, we need, definitely need to see a change at the top, and the sooner the better, and, and move on to the next. Well, it's going to help getting other coaches and players there yeah. too. You know, what I mean, it's going to help the whole thing. You know, I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys I'm sure are not going to come there. You know, yeah. you, you know, with, with the current turmoil and hearing all these things and all these, you know, this, this, you know. A lot of this stuff has gone all over the country. You know, this isn't just a local thing. It's people and people from back east telling me about this stuff. Well, and and you have you have guys who say they're coming and then they decommit, and uh, you know, there's so many, yeah. too many, too many things that just kind of well, cause a lot T. of issues. Yeah, I heard T. Martin, who's their, you know, quarterback coach or offensive uh, coordinator. I heard his kid decommitted, and that, that's making people wonder: Is T. Martin coming back? You know, yeah. And he's a real good recruiter, T. Martin. So I hope they don't lose him. But, you know, why would his son decommit uh, who had committed to go to SC? And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he decommits a little strange. But yeah. wouldn't you want to play for your father? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yep. Well, brother, as always, it's, 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 it's informative, it's fun, and uh, it's just a plain old good time anytime I have a chance to chat with you and, and discuss uh, how we can make things bright in the world, man. Yeah, well, absolutely, Keith. And just keep rooting for the Trojans. I'm rooting for them to play Nebraska. And, you know, hopefully they can. Nebraska is, I mean, not Nebraska, Wisconsin was 9-3. and three, So that's going to be a tough game for them. You know, they're 8-5. and five, Yeah. And uh, Nebraska, but, they, but I hear they're after their uh, defensive coordinator now. So that'll be, he'll be kind of jockeying for the SC job when he's going against them. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's got to be, it's got to be a, a little stressful. You, you fire all your coaches before the last game of the season. So, We'll see what yeah. happens. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, Keith, just root for the Trojans like you have been all your life, and uh, and let's get together. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot, Bob. Okay. God bless. You too, brother. Thank you. Bob Case, everybody, uh, here on Swoops Row on the Talk Story Radio Network. We are uh, just a few minutes away from Anthony Davis, so we're going to take a quick break, come back and get AD on the line. You're listening to Swoops Row on the Talk Story Radio Network uh, and sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. Back after this. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to our world today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. For a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. We gotta talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics, or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted, and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Well, that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hi, Hi we're the we're enablers, enablers, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Swoop Swirl. See if we can get him online. He should be ready for us. But up, up, stop that. There we go. Ah, we lost him. All right, we'll take a quick break. And we'll Listen to a quick song here and come back and see if we can get through. You listen to Swoops Roll on Talk Story Radio Network, and this one here, though, the Ultra Billies, is called Can't Look Up. Back after this. Way up yonder is a special place made for you and made for me.
Welcome back to the show, five-time national champion, two-time All-American, our good friend and colleague, Anthony Davis. He played two sports over USC, football and baseball, played in the NFL, the CFL, the USAA Network, and you name it, Pop Warner, everything, man. How you doing, brother? Everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, I'm the football vagabond. <laughs> Always, always great to have a chance to chat with you, man, and, and catch up and, and talk about the things happening in the wide world of sports. And you know, let's let's jump right into it. You know, uh, back in February, uh, we talked, and uh, you mentioned uh, a young kid out of Crespi High uh, named Wes Massett, and apparently he he uh, he's he's playing college ball now. He was at uh, I believe somewhere in uh, Jacksonville University. Uh, right. And now he's uh, looking to move over to Nebraska. But uh, you had a lot of good things to say about him. Tell us a little bit about Wes. Well, first of all, you know, he came out of high school, went to Jackson, down to Jackson University, and obviously things didn't work out for him there. I mean, not not the same, but he wasn't existed. At the, they fired all the coaches. <laughs> so that changed everything from what I understand. The thing is, I saw Wes play at Crespi High School, and, uh, you know, and I know – it's very political these days. You got to get on a website. You got to have film and all. I understand as a former collegiate and a former pro, and as a former quarterback in high school, who have played on all levels of the same position. You look at the Russell Wilson, the Michael Vicks of the day. You know, I could could have done that very easily. When I saw him perform, based on it was a limited offense, and he didn't, you didn't see all his talent given in that system. This kid can make all the throws the short, the medium, and the deep throw. He's very mobile. He's had some injuries. One year he stayed out the whole year because I think he broke his arm or something like that or hurt his knee. But the bottom line is this kid can play. And if he has an option, I understand that Nebraska's looking at him, and I want to say if anybody in Nebraska listening, especially Mike Riley, who I know, you need to bring this kid in, see what he can do, and you'll see what I saw. I saw it in the game condition. But he'll see it. Any any football mind that sees this kid will know he can play. He's a he's a he's a lefty, right? He's left handed, and, and 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 he's very and, he, and he's very mobile, and uh, and uh, that's one thing I saw. He has good feet. He has a good command of the field. He's a, he's a good field general out there, and that's what you know. Those are the qualities you see in the quarterback. And he has a command of the team. So I saw all that stuff. But he was very limited in the offense he showed. You really didn't really see what he could do. But you have to have a good eye, which I pride myself on. I know, And I, I pictured him in another system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is now, is, is Nebraska's current system a good fit for him? Well, I mean, they got good pieces around him based on what I saw. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I mean, as you know, Riley was going to go with the stadium with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, and, you know, he's never won a national title. He's never won a Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac a Pac-12 title. I mean, he's had good time. He's had some success up at Oregon, Oregon State. But, you know, he hasn't really got over the hook. Because, you know, everything's measured by championships and who you win and who you beat right. and who you produce. And I'm just saying this would be a great – if they give him an opportunity to Nebraska, they will see what I saw. Now, if they're going to question me, 
<laughs> as a former player collegially and all this kind of stuff. But what they need to smoke, because those guys up there on that coaching staff didn't, didn't go as far as I did and do what I did. So I'm putting <laughs> credibility on that. I know the kids can play. Yeah. When we talk, when you talk about uh, you know uh, walk on, uh, you've you've said it so many times when when you talk about on the NFL level, guys that go undrafted or, or guys you know things like that. There's so much talent out there that that can show up someplace and fit a system and do great. I mean, you, you look at this kid that's playing for the the Seahawks now, running back when Allen Lynch is out. He he was undrafted. He's 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 got better numbers than, than Lynch was having this year. When you talk about a kid walking on from one university to another, how difficult is that? Well, it, it, it can be difficult due to the fact that you got the political issue going, there's limited scholarships, uh, you make commitments to other people and stuff. And uh, But, I mean, talent prevails. It comes to the top. But here's the issue today. There's so many kids out there today on all levels. Either one way, either got hurt, or they had to go to a junior college, you know, they had some setbacks here and there. You hear all the stories. Right. I mean, one of the stories. He's he's a diamond in the rough. I mean, you know, and, you know, and I don't run around talking about people like that all the time. But I mean, I I saw some special in this kid. Like I've seen, like I always talked about Pete Carroll and how he's able to pick people when everybody else doesn't don't see him. Somebody has to see him. That's what Belichick's great about. Yeah. They they know how to pick the talent and they know how to see stuff like. I keep coming back. Tom Brady, six-round draft No, Everybody thought he was just a law. I mean, he was a, a turd. Look <laughs> at him now, 13 years later. Was yeah. that six Super Bowl appearance, four championships? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys, there's guys walking out there like that. I'm not saying that, that Wes Nassau would be that way, but I'm saying he has the talent and upside. With the right pieces around him, he can flourish. That's how, much, that's how strong I feel about his ability. Right. There's a lot of guys like him. The problem is he got mixed something. He transferred to the school. The systems were wacky. You know, for some reason, they didn't see his overall potential, what he can do in different formations, different sets. I mean, he was very limited. And, you know, and, and his stuff is sky the limit. So I hope, he is a, I hope he gets a great shot. I hope they open their eyes and see it because let me tell you something. Uh, you know, it ain't, like, it ain't like Nebraska's been putting throwing people on fire. I think he's been a I mean, I haven't seen no national title runs. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen either. I mean, they can use somebody like that. Yeah. Well, I I, I happened to listen to the uh, to the interview you gave uh, gave us back on that day. <clears throat> I think the the term you called you said he's the white Russell Wilson, and uh, um, you know, be able to move and and, and throw and, and make good game decisions, and uh, nothing's changed now. Well, first of all, I mean, I'm 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 gonna go I'm gonna step on the line and say this: he can play at SC. That's how that's how much I feel about him and his ability. Yeah. He can play at USC and flourish. Period. I'm putting my name on the line like that. The man, the kid can play. Wow, wow. And I don't I don't run around you know doing that. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's kids that, that don't get an opportunity either either through poor guys on the field, poor coaching. Some coaches don't have a clue. They chew these kids up and spit them out. I'm not saying that happened to West. He just didn't get able to flourish in a, in a in the offense that will produce what I saw right. as a player. Right. I saw what he can do in a limited situation. You see, so I visualize him being in every all kind of sets on the field and how you can create stuff around him with different pieces. That's what I saw. 
Well, I, I, I think I told you before, I, I, I've never seen him play. I saw some, I saw some, some film of him and, um, you know, there are some things he did. They were just were outstanding, especially for for a high school kid. I mean, he he was making throws right on the money, sometimes off balance, sometimes off the wrong foot, and uh, guys were catching it in stride. And uh, you know, just just a lot of ability out there. And I, I'd love to see him play on a, on a bigger scale. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. Now I'm saying, what if this kid was in a serious system with the pieces around him? Be not going to be pieces of what he can do and create. See, not only he can work within a system, but he can create outside of the system, too. He can add mid and stuff. That, that, that's the quality of a, of a player that that uh, has the ability to adapt in any situation. You know, a lot of people can't do that. Right. They can. And then he just, and he just, like, he's still, he's still a baby. He's going to get big. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. And he's a six-foot-two guy, you know, and he's just going to get stronger. That's all it is. He's not even he's not even reached his potential yet. But given he has got to be in, they have somebody has to say. I'm trying to tell people this kid can play. Right. Well, I'm gonna keep my and, I'm, and I'm he can play he, he can play at any school in the Pac-12. He can play anywhere. He's a diamond in the rough. Well, well I'm gonna keep my eyes and ears open, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, he gets a shot at Nebraska and. Get a chance to watch him play this year. You know, T Bone T Bone's a huge Nebraska fan, so <clears throat> I'll have to I'll have to get a, get a hold of him and see see if he uh, he's got any pull over there. Well, you know, you need to tell you know you know you need to tell Voodoo to you need to tell T Bone to, to rub that magic glass and stuff. And tell... <laughs> <laughs> cook up one of, cook up one of them bit them T Bone steaks. <laughs> Well, Ed, the, the bowl season is upon us. It looks like they uh, they all start up to the starting the nineteenth. That's this weekend, so uh, there's about a million of them, and uh, you know I, we we can't go through all of them. But uh, any any I know you're big on uh, big on the, on the top four teams, but any of these other bowl games jump out at you? No, I mean they don't really jump out. I mean now now that they got this this this, this four team uh, playoff stuff now and. You know, you just got to focus on that. I mean, you get so caught up in all the bowls, you go nuts. I mean, I mean, how many bowls they got? Fifty of them now. I think uh, they got fifty of them out there now. They look like about fifty. We're starting off with the New Mexico Bowl, and uh, well, let me give you some of these names. You got the New Mexico, the Las Vegas, the Camellia, the Cure, uh, the Potato, the GoDaddy, the Bahama. I mean, last year, you and I talked about the Bahama Bowl. What nobody understands? That was crazy. Listen, look, look. If they had a full fledged playoff. It, it, all those bowls become significant in some kind of way because people say, well, wait the next year, maybe they have a shot to get in this full-fledged playoff if their team wins the conference championship. You know what I mean? They could do it. I mean, I get to, if you had some guy on TV, some guy on one of these channels, ESPN or whatever it is, I get tired of these guys, you know, trying to do politics correct. Well, that's too many games. We need too many games. So what? Football, well, they've been playing almost a process. So what? 16 games. That, if that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Right. Now, if you just want a Cinderella thing where you showcase your talent, and so that's one thing. If you really want to have a serious playoffs, that's what you need to do. This one guy was standing on table, which is too many games. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Right. Whether you play 14 games or 16 games, so what? 
That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. I mean, that one extra game and a, and a full play club can either showcase the kids' talent, but the, the NFL can see it. A one game can change, be the difference in how a kid gets drafted. Right. But also, too, you know, it, it, it helps everything. Money, the money revenue sharing, everything, the great sponsorships. People can do a lot with a full-fledged playoff. This is stuff about too many games. I mean, come on. It's football. I mean, you know, you know. I mean, if you play 14 to 16, what's the difference? <laughs> exactly. And then one guy said they're going to be so beat up. But they're beat up anyway half the, down the end of the year. Well, they're beat up by week five, aren't they? By week four. I mean, yeah, he, he's come getting, on. I yeah. mean, you know, what are you talking about? That's the nature of the game. Right. If you, if you want to be a champion, you got to you got to be the, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. If you want to you want some serious football where the fans can really get behind it, where the major sponsors get behind, it, have a full fledged playoff. None of this six or eight, a full fledged. Get all the major conferences together, all the major conferences out there, and see them. Look, I've been saying for the last year or so. We both agree on that, right? Most people and most people agree with me anyway. Some people are just too politically correct. Just to tell it the way it is. I'm telling you the way it is. Every coach in America wants that. If he has any kind of competitive blood in him, well, yeah, any no. kind of competitive blood, he, he'll agree with what I'm talking about. They all agree with me. They just want to say it. They rather, they rather say that they, they are the champions because they want it on the field as opposed to somebody, you know, picking them to. You ain't going to have a bunch of people sitting around smoking cigars and eating donuts and drinking coffee. <laughs> Trying to dictate whether or not I'm, I'm worthy to be in the playoffs. It's right. one on field, not in a, not in the conference room. It's ridiculous. What are your picks? Uh, Clemson versus Oklahoma. That's the Orange Bowl. That's a toss up game to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. You know, no one's really, no one in the country's really seen Clemson. Everybody knows about Oklahoma, but that to me, that's a toss up game. I mean. Uh, defense on both sides of the ball. They both have strong defense. They all got good runners. But uh, to me, that's a toss-up game. They're pretty, they, they, they match up good, and they're pretty balanced on both sides. Right. I mean, and I just believe that that can go either way. Cotton, it can be a close game. It can be a blowout game. You know, you, you, with both those teams, you never know. I mean, uh, I've seen Clemson play some games where they uh, they they look – they look like they were struggling, and then, then they hang on, and they come back, and, and they've won. And I've seen Oklahoma do the same thing. Uh, I've seen them both dominate teams, too. The uh... reason, reason I'm leaning that way a lot because when Clemson played Notre Dame, but they only beat Notre Dame like four or five points or a point or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they almost got beat by Notre Dame. So I'm questioning, I'm questioning that game. And that's you know because you can hit a you can hit a ball you can hit a buzz off on any in any given week anybody can beat you right but Notre Dame I believe they'd have had if they were full strength or had their key players in I'm not saying these kids were slouches they played a good game against Clemson they could have easily gotten beat by Notre Dame but they squeaked that win out with Notre Dame but like I said anything can happen any given weekend. So I'm just I'm I'm basing a lot of stuff on what Notre Dame did with them, and also the, some of the struggles that Oklahoma's had too. So that's why I believe it could be a toss up game. Then some some teams flourish in both situations. Situation, right? Having that time off and that rest, and some and some coaches not to prepare their kids better than the next team. But so uh, that's why I think it's going to be a toss up game. Cotton Bowl, Alabama versus Michigan State. 
I'm going. I mean, I'm I'm just going to lay it out based on what I saw with Alabama, what they do defensively. Uh, I think Coach Saban's better keep the reins on uh, Coach Kiffin uh, and 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 and, and, and go to his bread and butter where they run that ball. Uh, I'm going with Alabama. Well, they got the Heisman Trophy winner. But the thing about Michigan State, I watched them play a bunch of games this year. And, if, and they seem to just hang around, hang around, hang around, and then win the game. I mean, they they blocked a, a punt and picked up and ran in for a touchdown last play of a the game. They've done just crazy craziness at the, with the last, you know, 45 seconds of games this year. They won two or three games in the end. They seem to just hang around long enough to win. So, if they're hang, if they're still if they're still in the game late in the fourth quarter, Ben, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tilt towards Michigan State. Uh, but well basically, well, basically, what you're saying is it's just from a, that defensive coordinator is is doing a great thing. That's what he's doing. That deep that defensive coordinator and that coach is is, is is strategizing that defense. That's all strategy and coaching. Take your head off to that coach on Michigan State. And if that happens without if that happens and he makes the right adjustments. Against against uh, Alabama, yeah, that could be a funny game. Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm I just think that Alabama has a little more firepower offensively. Uh, they can pull it out. But like I said, if that defense stays around and they're doing certain things defensively, that could be upset. Yeah, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Alabama. What did you think of the Heisman voting this year? Oh man, that was just up and down. I mean, it, it, it varied. You know, I mean. Uh, you can say McCaffrey could have got it. Do you think the West Coast suffers? Excuse me? Do you think the West Coast suffers, uh, guys from the West Coast? Because, uh, you know. Uh, I, think basically, I think basically that the, the Pac 12 this year has been so up and down. It has been like a Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of conference. You never, you know, you really couldn't put any emphasis on who was going to win. Whereas at Alabama, you pretty much knew they were going to blow somebody out every week. But they, what they, what, what, what a lot of the pundits were saying, they were saying, you know, like McCaffrey and, and a lot of guys on the West Coast. Now we've had a lot of guys from the West Coast win. Don't get me wrong, but they said a lot of guys from the West Coast suffer because uh, the games are so late, and, and a lot of the voters, voters uh, on the East Coast, don't stay up after they see the uh, the, the teams play on the East Coast because it's too late to watch the West Coast games. Well, I don't believe that. I think I think a serious writer who votes for the Hive stays up and watches. That's just part of his job. I think they're saying, you know, I just, I just think they just frankly think that the stronger football and the components and, and athletes are, are more competitive than on the east, on the SEC, in that part of the country. Yeah, now, I just believe they really think that. Right. And that, and that's sort of a that's sort of a myth in, in my opinion because the Pac-12, they got talent up and down the coast. Right. All up and down, in, in every team. But the thing is, the perception is that you know the the Pac-12 is wishy-washy. And you don't know who's going to show up from week to week. I mean, you know, uh, Stanford can go get beat by Northwestern and come back and blow out USC. I mean, and then and, <laughs> and then you know, Oregon can struggle and blow out USC. And then so if Arizona State's supposed to win, they get blown out. You know, I mean, stuff like that. You see, where where's the consistency? You know, with the SEC. In the Big Ten, you pretty much know the teams are going to be in the ball game at the end of the quarter, and who's going to come out with the victory. When the Pac-12, you couldn't do that. The perception this year, for my opinion, my opinion, is that how they were thinking. Right. And, and then you know, and then you know, it, it, you know how it is with the highs and children. You can't have two. See, Sanford had two losses, right? Right. 
and they had McCaffrey, so they figured, well, if he's going to be the highest, so he's supposed to carry that team to, to championship. You know, they won the Pac-12, but basically a lot of people perceive a USC, a weak USC team with up and down with the coaching changes and all kind of stuff, and a lot of people perceive USC was, was down and out, down on them, didn't really want to play. Uh, and the Stanford's came in and rolled over them. But the thing is, everybody felt that in, 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 order, in order to be a high level, you can't have two losses. You gotta have a major impact guy that's gonna keep you from doing that. I mean, you know, who knows what how these guys think, but that, some of that has to be in there. And McCaffrey, yeah, he, had, he was a great player, had a great year. One of the things I know, and very few people know, is that you were at that game um, and saw it up close and personal. And uh, I, I, it might have been the first game you went to this year, second game you went to this year, but. What did what did the game what did the, what did it look like to you? I mean, you know, you 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 got a history with SC. You got you got a beliefs on how they should be playing, and they, you got tradition, and you you set the standard. Um, what did it look like out there? How'd they look? Well, first of all, you know, I mean, in looking, you thought Stanford was going to blow them out, and SC stayed close. And when they got when it, when it, when 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 the score was sixteen thirteen, I'm sitting there, you know, some my associates, business guys, I know that I work with. And I said, okay, they have a, they, they got a shot. They can blow this game out if they do certain things. What I did, I saw a stagnant run game. I saw a run game get very good, and I saw it very safe. They did not adjust. They didn't do any play action. They didn't go to the other side. They always ran the ball one side. They didn't keep the team off balance. And, and, and Stanford adjusted. So, okay, here's old Sarkeesian, and they stuffed it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then defensively, well, I understand that. Who? I think one of the coaches wrote, "Who's watching number five? And one coach, I understand the coach said, "Well, I don't know." He said, "I own it everywhere he goes." That's how it was when I was playing. So, from that perspective, defensively, from that perspective, you got to keep guys on number five. Right. Offensively, they did not maximize. I thought I was going to see uh, coach Coach Hilton. I, I thought I was going to see put some more wrinkles in from a run standpoint. So you know, keep you know, keep the quarterback, you know, from so another been tee off and target him and sack him all day. Right. I didn't see that happen. Yeah. That's what I believe. I believe that that that, that coach Hilton has to revamp that offense. I don't know who he's bringing in there as the offensive coordinator. I have no clue what he's going to do. But if you have that talent there at USC, and you don't revamp that, and you and you try to build a system around that given talent. Because that's the best talent in the conference. That's the best talent in the conference. Wow. And I think that's what frustrates USC fans is the fact that knowing you got great talent like that in every, in, in every phase of the game, and you get beat like that, I mean, you get blown out. Oregon blows them out. Stanford blows them out. You struggle with teams you should be with that kind of talent. That's what's frustrating. It's one thing if you've got borderline guys, a ton of injuries. These guys have the best talent in the conference. And guys with a lot of heart. Guys with, huh? a lot of, guys with a lot of heart. I mean, I could tell you could see, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster was frustrated as all heck. Guy wants to win. He's a winner. He likes he likes being out on the field. The guy plays hurt, plays banged up, bruised up, you named it. And uh, you could tell he was he was having fits out there. These guys weren't happy with the way the game was going. And you like to see that in your players. You like to see them, you know, be able to control that 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 fire they have in them. But you like to see them when they have that fire in their belly. And uh, 
you know, like you said, all of a sudden uh, Stanford started pulling away, and it's, it's got to be crushing, man. Well, first of all, I mean, I saw, I saw, I saw, I said, okay, 16-13. Okay, what are we going to do offense now? What are we going to build on now? That's what I was waiting to see. Right. How are we going to run the ball? How's the play action going to do? How's the passing going to do? How's the passing game going to play with the run game? How's the offense going to keep that defense off the field to keep it preserved to get the third, fourth quarter run? That's how I was thinking. See, then that wasn't there. They got blown out. Yeah. When they had an opportunity, when they had them at the, when they had them at the, at the line, you got to blow them out. You got to have that killer instinct. You got to have everything on on in sync, from the coaches to the players. And I just didn't see it. One of the go ahead. It's very frustrating. Now, see, I can I can accept a game where you ain't really matching up well, but when you got the better talent and you get blown out like that, <laughs> that was frustrating. I mean, I'm I'm sitting in the stands. And I'm sitting around people because, you know, I, of course, you know, a lot of people, that, I, I, I got mobbed up in there. But the bottom line is, people trying, was asking me questions. Look, I can't, I, I, you know, I can't go. I'm not gonna, they have my, my school, so I'm not going to do that. But the bottom line is, win or lose, I'm not going to do that. But, that but, but everybody was, was questioning, hey, D, what would you do? What, what do you think about? And I'm sitting up there like, well, I'm not going to analyze the game. I'm going to watch the game. Everybody's going to analyze the game. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. <laughs> well, I mean, well, we're in a different format. I, I mean, know. I'm just, I, I got but you, I'm brother. I'm up in the middle of the stands with, 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 with rabbit fans, and they really want to see the win. And I saw the enthusiasm come come up when it was 16-13 when they had a shot to hey, really change the outcome of this game. It didn't happen. Yeah. One of the things I notice, because this is so, you know this, you know what it's like. Uh, uh, McCaffrey had three over three hundred all-purpose yards. He he's done. He caught a touchdown pass. He threw a touchdown pass. I know you've caught touchdown passes, thrown touchdown passes, run back punts. Uh, you know, and and, and and did all the things that you know that he did out there. Um, you, you like you said when you used to play, they had a spy on you the whole time. Um, what's it like? Yeah, what's what's it like watching a, a young kid out there? You know, uh, with that kind of talent, doing doing all those things. You know, you don't see a, you know, we we hear all purpose yards, you know, a few times a season, but uh, he's consistently uh, banking down numbers and uh, all purpose yardage. You know, kind of like you used to. Well, first of all, I mean, first of all, he's got to be very durable. His stamina has got to be phenomenal. He's well conditioned. I'm telling you. So he did it all. I mean, he. I mean, matter of fact, I mean, from an all-purpose standpoint, for what he did for his team, uh, from one standpoint, you know, he was deserving of the trophy based on what he did. Right. But I'm telling you how voters vote. They vote based on the losses and and, and the perception of who's good, and who's not. And everybody believed that uh, that, that Henry was better because, of, frankly, because of Alabama and the SEC. But what this kid did for his team, pound for pound, was better. Wow. I mean, if you don't have him, you don't have no Pac-12 championship. True, true. I don't, so, so I wanted to does Henry do that for Alabama? Do they win it regardless of him? I don't know. It's a good question because they they said, you know, there were times that uh, Henry carried the ball 35, 40 times a game too. So, I mean, who, who, does, who, who, who puts down the, the kind of yardage – uh, that he's putting down, and, and who can carry the ball? I mean, they'd have to divide that up to two, three guys. But here it is. He's, he's one-dimensional based on what him. 
He doesn't run back punts. He don't bring back kicks. He don't catch the ball. He doesn't throw it. Right. McCaffrey did all of that. Okay, so if you plugged in another runner where he is, does the kid, is, is, is he sufficient enough to keep Alabama women? See, that's the key. Right. Is, is, is he that dominating and get that much to his offensive team other than what McCaffrey's doing for Stanford? See, here's it. They got two losses. They don't. The perception of who he's playing weaker schedule versus Alabama, who they play. You see, so I mean, there's a lot of variables how these people vote. Some of them are smoking some, some aren't. <laughs> but, the bottom line, but the bottom line is, that's how some of these guys vote. Right. But to me, McCaffrey is in a lot of ways more valuable because he did so much more. Now, and it's how you perform in your given system. The only thing you would question, if you had Henry on the bench and you can win with someone else, that's the key. Right. I believe that Alabama could win if they had anybody in there. With that offensive line and what they, how they run their system. But I believe if McCaffrey wasn't on that team, they don't win They, they don't win the Pac-12 title. Right. Because that's who beat SC. But it was a defensive breakdown on SC's behalf of why that happened. It's... Well, I mean, matter of fact, they didn't even watch the guy. Right. You saw him roaming free out there and scoring those touchdowns. They had no one on him. Well, you have eleven. You got eleven men on eleven. One guy, your best defensive guy, is on McCaffrey. Your most athletic guy is on McCaffrey from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. And you, and you hope you're doing something offensively. Another another embarrassing stat for that game was you had not one but two guys that threw a pass for a touchdown, caught a pass for a touchdown, and ran for a touchdown. That's great. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable, man. I'm watching the game. See, 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 if it was another school, and I'm I'm speaking to any SC fan who's listening to my voice, and they know exactly what I'm going to say. If it's any other school, like Oregon State, or Idaho State, or whatever, they might expect all that. They don't expect like that from USC. That's just a USC tradition. That's a USC fan. They expect excellence, okay? Right. They expect Rose Bowl championships, national championships. That's just USC people. Right. It just, it's like the UCLA Bruins in basketball. You know, if you see John Wooden sitting on his image sitting there, or John McKay's image sitting somewhere, everyone knows those two guys set the standard, exactly. and the players under their guidance, under their guidance, set the standard. Right. That's what USC people expect. That's why I have so much pressure with UCLA basketball versus USC football. Mm-hmm. USC folks expect us to do that, and especially when you have the talent and you're not doing that. Oh, they really go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I bet every every Sunday morning your phone rings off the hook, doesn't it? <laughs> tell you something. I mean, first of all, my partners in, in Greenlaw, I mean, they constantly question me all the time, what happened? And then everywhere I go, you know, AD, what, look, listen, I'm not there. I know if I said I know as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, but you know the answer. Well, I do know the answer, but I'm not there. I just go based on what I see and sense and what I hear and what I can put together. Right. Just from a former player. Right. That's how I do it. That's how I try to handle it. I'm, I'm from afar. 
But the bottom line is my instincts are not too far off. No, no. We know that because you know? over the years you've, you've, you've said things and we've watched it happen and it comes true. And, and, uh, and it seems like you, 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 you got this stuff down, man. Well, first of all, I'm going to see how much determination they have this, this game, this holiday, holiday bowl. And I think when you got great players and they're playing in a bowl like that, even if it's a bowl, somebody respect, they want you to come. But you, in the back of these kids' minds, they should be playing in the Rose Bowl. They should be playing for a championship. That's the kind of talent they have on there. That's right. the kind of talent they have. And see, so I was, me as a former player, uh, I would have to fight to keep my attitude up based on what I went through, my coaching changes, all the con- the controversy USC's been through this year. You have to fight to keep your pride up and ready to really want to play. Now, now, actually, with the pros moving over these guys, so I think a lot of the guys, when they get in these balls, and I'm going to tell it the way it is, like it or not, some of these kids are going to start playing for themselves. They're going to start showcasing the NFL. That's what they're going to do, especially if they're juniors right. or seniors. That's how they start thinking. If you go to one of these off-market you know, off bowls like some people project that they are, they're not in the mainstream of the major bowls, a lot of these kids start showcasing. They start getting people in the air. They may start, start protecting themselves. If you got the NFL coming up now, watch yourself. Play hard, but be careful. Right. Right. All that kind of talk's going on. And a lot of people say, oh, eight fifty days when he's talking about it. Well, guess what? I know what I'm talking about. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard it. I've seen it. I've talked to him. And I'm not going to get hurt. Holiday ball? Are you kidding me? You know, you know eat a steak, get your knee blown out. <laughs> That's like the that's like the when these when these uh, high school players playing the Shrine Bowl and stuff. I always wonder about these things, you know. It's like uh, you got a you got a big collegiate career coming up. You, you sure you want to go out and do that? So you, when you talk about some of these off-brand bowls, it, it's 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 a big decision to make for some of these guys. Yeah, that's another reason why if you, if you got these if you got these uh, you got these, these this playoff system. That's why you know at least if you got a playoff system, there's something to shoot for, you know right, what I mean? Right. Uh, it, 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 there's more skin in the game with a full-fledged playoff. Exactly. That's the way it is. And so a lot of these kids start thinking, man, you know, we should be there. You know, if you get beat fair and square, you should be there. You know, I mean, like, now the way USC played against Stanford, okay, it, 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 basically the way USC was going, they shouldn't even been in that championship game. But it happened that way, and that was fine. When it happened that way, they should have a playoff system. Right after that. Um, they should start the playoffs right after that. Yeah. That constant game. The playoffs should be this week. You eliminate you eliminate everything now. See, whoever won that would have been playing this week. Right. Right. Absolutely. And then and then whatever, then you and then you go into January and be ready for the national championship. Because cause the brackets will be set up and these guys will have the game and you'd be eliminated right now. Right. Now what you got to sit around for a while. That changes the whole chemistry of your game, your rhythm of your team. But some coaches can't keep their players together. Pete Carroll's good at that. Belichick's good at that. They know how to, to pace their team and get them ready. And, and like you give Pete Carroll and Belichick more time to study and break you down, you got a problem. Those are those are those are wolves out there in the, in the forest. <laughs> those guys know how to do it. Some coaches, some coaches just don't have the talent. But those two guys have. You see it in the pros in the collegiate level. He did it in the collegiate level. He's so doing it now. His team, is, his team is is peaking at the right time of year now on the pro level. 
you know, a lot of people, the injuries, you know, the holdouts, you know, the chemistry. I mean, a lot of stuff is when the Seahawks did what they did. But, I mean, the same, when you come back to college, some coaches just can't keep their team focused. Right. You know, I mean, especially the, the four kids at SC, with the change of Sarkeesian, all the lawsuit stuff now, and all the talk back and forth, the Todd McNair stuff about USC, they're getting questioned. You know, how are you going to do with this? How are they bold? What happened at Stanford? You know, what are you guys going to do? What, are you, what is the attitude of the team? And they're getting all those kind of questions. Whereas they should be focusing on, hey, it should be a playoff game. Right. We're going to do this. They're not, they're, people are hitting with Rodgers and stuff. You know how the press is. They don't care. Right. And they play Wisconsin. Huh. Well, so, you know, I mean, so, so you know, uh, I think SC can win this game. Based on the history, I don't know. That's a toss-up game in the, in the holiday bowl. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it all seems how motivated the kids are. Now, since since the other kids, the, the other coach has been removed, I think you're going with the the, the, the graduate assistants that going to coach that team, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know who's going to do it. Uh, you know, it's 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 odd. I understand you got to make moves. And decisions have to be made, but it's odd that you let the majority of your coaching staff go before the last game of the year. I mean, it just goes to shows to me that you really don't give a rat's ass about the Holiday Bowl either, because you're gonna you're not going in there with your with your regular staff. Right. Well, that's that's basically what it's saying. But I'm, the bottom line is, it said I don't want to get embarrassed again. What happened to Stanford? Because you know, other people, other defense coordinators studied Stanford. Right. They studied what Stanford did. So I don't know what the thinking is. All I know, Clay Hill, Clay Hill is going to be involved in every aspect of that defense and offense if he's letting them let him go. Well, he's yeah. going to be jumping all over the place in this game. <laughs> I, guarantee, I guarantee. I guarantee you, he'll know who's supposed to be guarding number five. <laughs> well, well, he, well, you know, I mean, and he just might just coast out and and just uh, do the best he can and get ready for next year. I mean, that's. I mean, that's how I would be thinking, but who knows? Who knows what so many people's heads and how they think? But all I know now, you're at USC, they expect their best, and if you don't, they'll they'll put you in a jet pile like everybody else. Exactly. You don't perform. That's true. Because you remember, you got the legend of John McKay running around that place. (laughs) That's a monster. I mean, John McKay set the standard, and the player's under it. And, 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 and J.K., if you're listening, let you know. Just talk to your father. He'll straighten you. He he'll, 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 won't do you wrong. He will straighten you out, brother. Have a good talk with him. Because you know what he did over there with us. we coming up on uh, a lot of things happening this the next couple of weeks. Uh, you got the, uh, the movie coming out. But your book has been out. Let's talk about your book, and then we'll talk about the movie. Kickoff Concussion, How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain. Uh, the book that you wrote uh, about you and your experiences. Tell our uh, our new listeners a little bit about the book. Well, I mean, I did the book with a guy named Jeremy Rosenberg, and uh, Doctor Amon wrote the foreword on the book. And that's what this really is really telling me. It talks about my concussions this year. It talks about my life basically, and uh, I know it's a bit controversial now with the the concussions and what goes on in football, second youth football. And, 
it's an interesting read, and just read what I have to say about the concussion situation, especially that, and also along with the movie coming out with that, <clears throat> it really is going to enhance enhance the reading of this book because it it, it complements each other. So the timing it was great. The book the book came out a month before we started. They shot the movie, which I was part of it. And uh, it, it, I think it's a great reading, and it's very educational. And people can get that on uh, Hulu, uh, or Lulu, Lulu.com, as well as Amazon. Right. Uh, so they, it's, it's out there. It's available. you got, you got to get the audio book version, too, brother. You can take advantage of that, too. Tell us a little bit about the movie. You're, you, 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 uh, you know about the movie. Will Smith uh, plays Dr. Ben and Amalu. Uh, you, you were on set. You know, you know what's happened there. Tell us a little bit about the movie and what to expect. Well, first of all, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's a very good uh, depiction of, of the film, of, of the story. Mike Webster, Dave Durson, Andre Waters. Then uh, they talk about Junior Seau. I mean, uh, Omalo discovered that the CTE, and uh, which is, you know, you know, which I know in the living you have CTE, and uh, the NFL sort of dis- disregarded what he was about, but you can't prevail the science and the substance of what he's done. And Will Smith portrayed that real well in the film. So it's going to be a telling story on the 25th of this month because the NFL has got to, put, got to tackle this situation because it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And you got to know on every game, every Sunday, and everywhere somebody's having a concussion. And I think some of the the, the, the mothers with the youth that have major concerns. So the thing is, what they got, they got, they got to come up with better helmet technology. But the bottom line is, every time you get hit, the, your head rattles. So I don't care what you put up there. So the movie's going to detect that. It's going to talk about the controversy around Dr. O'Malley, what he went through with the National Football League, and uh, it's a very eye-opening thing. So it's going to be great. It's going to be entertaining, but it's going to be truthful. Yeah. We, and, and there's a lot of substance behind it. I mean, you know, you, you, when you do things in Hollywood, you got to, you know, embellish a little bit. But this is pretty right. This is probably spot on, a lot of this stuff. Nice. And some of it's Hollywood, but, some, but, but mostly, but mostly the, the, the point is there, and uh, the substance of the movie is there, and the subject matter. We were, uh, we were lucky enough to, on our last show to have uh, attorney Robert Fitzsimmons as our guest. Uh, right. He played a big part in uh, in, in in some of the uh, uh, litigation that, that is depicted in the movie. Um, so there are a lot of people that really participated in this movie that know a lot about uh, the situation and what happened in the past. And, and the fact that they brought you and and and, and, and Mr. Fitzsimmons and, and you know the doctors involved. Uh, right to, to consult with means that they were really trying to get it right. Well, I mean they're trying to get it right, but I'm just saying, look, you know, we the football is a gladiator sport. We live in a gladiator society. People like to hit like that violence and that collision type of stuff. But uh, this movie will educate them on what really happens to their favorite players. Right. A lot of you know, a lot of people, you know, be upset to know that some of the players they watch on Sundays uh, can't even go anywhere without getting their, their car program to get home. If my wife has to get them home, I mean, they, you know, you know, they they need to know that you know guys walk around who've had five or six concussions don't even know their name. 
And you got any old you got guys that have seven, eight, nine concussions that walks into one room to the next and don't remember what he said when he walked out of the room a minute later. Right. So I mean it's it's a lot of disturbing stories and uh we just lost a, a colleague and a guy I played against two weeks ago we lost Fred McNeil, former Minnesota Viking, UCLA linebacker who suffered from C T E who passed away at sixty three. Right. So I mean uh uh so it's a lot of different things. It's going to be an eye opener, and uh, and they need to go see this film. And just like I say, Robert uh, is, is been a major factor in this concussion situation. Uh, he represented uh, the the Mike Webster family, I think. Yes. And uh, and so you know he's very he's 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 very aware of everything. He's been there. He's been in the forefront of of this situation, along with Doctor Amalo and. Uh, and I'm telling you, they, they, they're the pioneers. I mean, especially Omalo. And the fact that he looked at, look at his background being a Nigerian-born, doesn't know anything about American football, comes over here, diagnoses this stuff, and says, hey, this is what's going on. And he, like he says in the movie, his line says, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. So when you see the film, you'll see how, how powerful it is and how what he says. Last but not least, uh, we know you as a Notre Dame killer, and apparently you like pancakes. I'm hope. Yeah. And, and apparently there's a there's a cafe that's actually named something after you. Huh? Yeah, I man. I tell you, man. It's a little little. It's a place like it's, I grew up in the, in the city of San Fernando, Pacoima, and I frequent those places as a kid growing up. But there's a place on Van Nuys Boulevard in Pacoima, California, called Mike's Cafe. And they named the pancake after me. It's red velvet pancake. They call it the Notre Dame Killer Pancake. <laughs> and I went in there this, I went in this weekend and had one of them pink. I thought I was. I thought I'd be in that going to heaven. She got in the shot. I I put that pink pancake in my mouth and and it melted in my mouth. I swear I didn't even know my name after I ate that, that, that pancake. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a red velvet pancake. Now, that's that's yeah, just that's, that's just wrong, man. <laughs> you got to you got to go check it out. Mike's Cafe Coinman. Go over the wall. People been there. Politicians been there. Danny Trio. You know the Machete guys been know, there. Danny. You know, yeah. And yeah, and I'm. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of people to come in there. There's a little over the wall, but I'm telling you, great product comes out of there. Unbelievable. And I I would recommend you get you, well mine. You know, mine is a red velvet pancake. Okay, and you get that you get that 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 special butter they have and that maple syrup, and you put you you bite into that, you might start floating. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, next time I get enough courage to go to Pacoima, uh, I'll let you know. You can you can guide me in. <laughs> well, I got you. I got you. And I got a special seat for you. <laughs> just, you. You just go. You just go. You just go in there and ask for Ralph. Ralph will take care. Ralph will take care of me, man. All yeah, right, Ralph brother. will take care. Just, just ask for Ralph. <laughs> Andy, brother, as always, it's it's a pleasure uh, to, to have a chance to chat with you, man, and uh, and catch up. And, uh, and we got I, I know it's, been, it's been, we both have busy schedules the last few weeks. So we haven't had a chance to talk too much in between shows, but uh, it's great it's great to have a chance to talk and, and catch up and, and, and discuss the things we discuss, man. All right. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Take care now. All right, you too. The great Anthony Davis, everybody.
You've been listening to Swoops Run of the Talk Story Radio Network. Take a quick break, come back, and wrap things up. Uh, let's see who we have here. This here is the Black Whiskey Union. Back after this. Who's for the Talk Story Radio Network? That's, whoa. There we go. <laughs> Got real low there for a second. Welcome back to Who's for the Talk Story Radio Network. That was the Black Whiskey Union, and we haven't we had them on, oh, probably about a year ago. Good 
good group if you just checked them out find their album go ahead and check it out look it up that is going to be our last show of the the year we'll be back sometime uh, early part of next year and uh we got some new guests lined up i got some people i gotta return some calls to that uh want to book some guests so we'll be looking forward to that and uh as we always well where are we at here yes there we go um we just want you to know thank you for listening we appreciate you listening to us all the time and Hope you have a happy, wonderful holiday and safe uh, New Year's. The views and opinions expressed by the individual. Dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 